Well, hello and happy new year to everyone who is with us live at one of our three campuses or joining us online or maybe later on podcast. It's a joy to get to kick off the new year. I just loved hearing, uh, hearing everybody sing out and just getting to start the year with worship and prayer and opening God's word together. Speaking of, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 is where we're going to begin this year. And while you're turning there, for anybody who is uh, still visiting through the holiday season, we're uh, honored to have you with us as we kick into the new year. Uh, my name's Taylor. I am one of the teaching ministers here. And today is actually my first Sunday to uh, worship with my Hills Church family uh, in several weeks. In fact, since, uh, since November, since before Thanksgiving. I finished 2022 with uh, about a month-long sabbatical, which was an extended leave. Uh, it was a time for rest, to spend time with God, with my family. I've been working here at the Hills for eight years and was offered this opportunity, which was just such an incredible gift. I'm so grateful, uh, but it's also really, really good to be home. And so before we get into the message, I've, I've just got two thank yous. Um, the first is just reflecting on the Christmas season and all the work that goes into uh, the, the different ministry offerings from our, our kids and student ministries, from, uh, from worship and production and creative, everything that goes into the month of December. Um, as my family was visiting other churches, I found myself just wishing I could be around, but then checking out online and seeing what everybody was doing here. And so for, if you were somebody who, who served, maybe you're on staff, maybe you're a volunteer, maybe you were working backstage, maybe you helped do set up or tear down or clean up uh, or, or, or host uh, out in, in uh, atriums at one of our three campuses. If you were one of those people, can we just say thank you to everybody help, who helped make Christmas happen at the Hill? Thank you, thank you. I feel so grateful. Uh, we are grateful, and um, and the second thank you is to our shepherds. Um, you know, we are uh, we have a, a group of elders who help uh, guide, lead, oversee our church, and also our our staff and our ministers. And not every church uh, offers the opportunity for sabbaticals for times of renewal. Um, to kind of invest in the minister's longevity in them serving in God's kingdom in the local church. And so this is not a right that, that I was afforded this opportunity. It's an absolute gift and a privilege. And I'm, uh, some of you know I'm not the only person on staff who's had a sabbatical this year. In fact, uh, both of our campus ministers, uh, Jeremy Glover at West Fort Worth, Chris Hatchett at Keller, also had sabbaticals. Um, and, uh, and so this is a new rhythm for us that, in, as a way to care for our ministerial staff. And it's just such a, such a blessing and gift to be part of a church with elders and shepherds. So I just want to say on behalf of our, our ministry team, uh, shepherds, elders, thank you. Thank you for how you care for uh, the flock here at the hills and care for the souls of ministers on our staff for the longevity of them serving in God's kingdom in the local church. We love you and we're grateful for you. Can we honor our elders and shepherds? Yeah, it feels good to be home. Uh, at the, I, I've spent weeks just waiting for today, and at the same time, I've spent weeks just a tiny bit nervous that having, uh, having taken a break from all forms of preaching or public ministry, and then just coming right back into the fire on day one to preach, just we're all going to find out, you know, how, how uh, many cobwebs I might need to dust off. We'll see. 
So having said that, I decided the first day we were just going to do a, a really straightforward message uh, to kick off the year. It's about seeing and being. In fact, live at all of our campuses, would you say that? Seeing and being. We're going to draw it from just one verse in 1 John 3. This is a letter written by the Apostle John, a follower of Jesus, to a group of Christians. And as he's writing, he, he makes this, this profound statement in 1 John 3. And I actually want to invite all of us, wherever you are, if you would, to read this out loud. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Now, if you're taking notes, we're going to begin with this. Uh, the Christian life is a life of seeing. First and foremost, the Christian faith is not about what we do. It is about what we see that God has done for us. Sometimes from a, a, in, inside of church, it can kind of focus on all the rules and the things that you're supposed to do or don't do. And while those things matter and they are words given to us from God, at the same time, the, the, the first invitation of the life of the Christian is a life of seeing. The message of Christianity is not that you need to, to kind of change yourself in order to experience God's love. No, the message is that you must see the extravagant love of God and let his love change you. Seeing comes before being. We behold before we become. In fact, sometimes we use the phrase, seeing is believing. Because when we look at God's love, we see what love was really meant to look like. In fact, in just a few verses later... John writes, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. For the Apostle John, for the church, this is the vision. Jesus. He's who we're meant to see. In fact, when John wrote this letter, he's writing to a group of Christians who are dealing with kind of some skepticism about Jesus. In some ways, it's similar to skepticism about Jesus today. And if you happen to be somebody listening to me right now and you have questions, you've, you've got some kind of doubts or questions about Jesus, I'm so glad that you're with us. I'm so glad that you're listening in. The specific question about Jesus that John addresses in 1 John was, they were wondering, did Jesus, was Jesus a real person? Maybe Jesus is just kind of like this spirit from God who, who you know, people thought they saw, but he was more of a divine apparition. They were dealing with kind of the scandal of the idea that Christians have believed for millennia, which is that Jesus was a, a real person. As we celebrated at Christmas, a baby born in Bethlehem, a, a child raised in Nazareth, a, a, a man who served in a teaching ministry in Israel during a sp specific time in history, and that he was both fully man and fully God, God in the flesh. And John wanted to help believers understand this really happened. We really saw Jesus because the Christian life is a life of seeing, seeing what God has done. This has been true throughout Jesus' life. It's true for all Christians. Roll back to when Jesus, after Jesus was born in the Gospel of Luke, seeing Jesus transforms a man named Simeon 
He goes to the temple led by the Holy Spirit and he runs into Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus. And Simeon finally sees what his heart has longed for, seeing the Messiah, God's chosen redeemer. And then he says, now I can depart in peace. It's his way of saying, God, I I can die happy now because I have seen your love displayed through Jesus. Fast forward to the start of Jesus' ministry and this this prophet who happens to be Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. He points to Jesus in front of a crowd and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Seeing Jesus was what was first and foremost. When Jesus actually took away the sins of the world by dying on the cross, paying for our sins, in that moment, one gospel records A Roman centurion, a soldier, sees Jesus, this innocent man that he realizes is more than just a man. He sees Jesus on the cross, and a Gentile, a Roman soldier, says, surely this man was the Son of God. After the resurrection, oh man, for the the women who followed Jesus, when, when they saw the empty tomb, and then when Mary saw Jesus... When, when the, the, the disciples saw the resurrected Jesus after they knew he had been crucified and put in a grave, it changed everything. In the Gospels, seeing Jesus is a transformative experience. And in 2023, our daily invitation will be to see again who God has shown himself to be. You may have some great plans for this year. God's grace on your plans. You, you may have some admirable resolutions, and I hope that I hope you, you do it. I, I hope you can check the box. I hope you, you make the weight or see the number on the scale or whatever it is. You may even have some things that you'd like God to do for you this year, things you're hoping for, praying for, and that's great. And I bet there's some things God might ask you to do. But first, Hills Church family, first, before anything else this year, first, see what great love the Father has lavished on you. See it. Behold it. Gaze upon it. Take it in. Don't rush past it. Show of hands at our campuses. How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, we got, we got a fair number here. Um, so I would put money down that if you've been to the Grand Canyon, you did not make that trip, get there and get out of your car, walk up to, to one of the lookout points and then just kind of glance for a second, take a quick little selfie for the gram and then be like, all right, let's go to lunch. Nobody goes to the Grand Canyon for a quick look. Oh, you, you go to stare. You go to gaze to just let the grandeur, the majesty of it just wash over you. And this year, behold the love of God. Take it in. See again the Father's love displayed in Jesus Christ for you. And let it fuel you. Let his love Be what strengthens you. Let his extravagant love comfort you. Let his love encourage you. 
Let his love build you up. Let his love remind you who you are. Now, I want to pause for just a moment and get really practical for the person who's asking, how? How do I see God's love? And there's, there's so many different ways. I'm going to give you a quick list, but I do want to mention that uh, in the series that our senior teaching minister is going to start next week, there are going to be some, some great practical rhythms offered in that series about ways to help our soul connect with God. So I hope you don't miss that. But for today, time in God's word. And let me get even more practical for a second. I'll, uh, you know, saying that here's one of the ways for me, um, a discipline in 2022 that I'm carrying into the new year. I actually um, have started writing, actually scribing verses of the Bible, writing them out. I picked a particular theme, and, and as I go through the Bible, if I see something related to that theme, I write that down in a journal. And it's just a way that keeps me kind of grounded and helps me see more of God's love. Worship, whether like the time that we've had today or time with family or in a community group or, or maybe just by yourself, is a way to focus your attention and see God's love again. In prayer, communing with God's spirit, or maybe reflecting on the, the things you can say thank you to God for, whether that's just as you go through the day or at the end of the day, or maybe, uh, this is one for me, like just a gratitude journal that's been a way to kind of keep me in the habit of thinking about all the ways God has poured out his love in my life. But separate from any of those things, here's what I would tell you. Ask God for a fresh vision of his love. Ask God to show you more of Jesus this year. Because when God shows his love, Jesus is how he shows it. Later, John writes, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yeah, this is God's self-giving love. John doesn't flinch throughout his letter in these five chapters, just re referencing multiple times the fact that we've sinned, that we've rejected God, pushed against what he wants, and we've brought pain and suffering into the world. We have offended God as the perfect creator and we have despised the loving sacrifice of Jesus through our sin, through our rejection and unbelief. And love is Jesus coming to earth, fully God and fully man, and dying as the sacrifice for our sins. Love is Jesus, the innocent one, in the place of the guilty. And when we see this kind of love, it, it can kind of mess us up because it's, it's not like the love that some of us are used to. That's not like the love that we see so often. In fact, John tries to make that point in this, in this verse that we've read together. See what great love. That phrase, what great love, depending on your translation, might say what kind of love or what love. But, but in the original Greek, John uses this, this word that, that uh, part of it could be directly translated of what country. Because John's trying to help explain this is, this is from somewhere else. It's like John is saying, look at how otherworldly God's love is for us. 
God's love is the kind of love that's clearly not from around here. God's love is an alien love, a love that sticks out like a rose in a thorn bush, a love you can't help but notice because of just how radically different his love is from the run-of-a-mill affection that passes for love in so many of our lives. Like, it's as if God's love is a dog among cats. It's like God's love is a medium-rare steak at a vegetarian cookout. God's, God's love is a pitch-perfect Broadway singer in an amateur choir who's kind of flat. His love is a resplendent diamond in a pile of scratched stones. God's love is Beyonce performing at a high school talent show. God's love is Dirk Nowitzki showing up for church league ball. God's love is like a Texan preacher's accent at a New York church plant. That may or may not be derived from somebody we know and love. I'm not sure, but you get the point. We can't help but notice how different God's love is. And we're only one day into the year, and I've already given Rick a dig, so I'm going to move on. From a life of seeing how radically different and self-giving and extravagant God's love is to a way of being. This love transforms us such that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. This is a love that doesn't just change our heart or our nature. It is a love that changes our status so that we belong in God's household and I love the repetition that John uses after, after saying this. Listen, listen to it again. This is the ESV. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It's like the apostle knows. We, in the human heart, we, we will have every reason because of our flaws, because of our doubts, because of our fears. We'll have every reason to, to discount that word that, that God's love has granted us and afforded us the opportunity to be his children. There are so many of us that will second guess and go, well, hold, hold on, hold on. There's, there's no way that I could actually be called God's son because some of the things that, that the mistakes I made just in the last year. You know what? And so you are. There's, there's no way that I could, I, could be, I could be called God's daughter because of some, of some of the questions and struggles I'm still wrestling with and carrying into the new year even though I don't want to. And so you are. There, there's no way that I could be part of God's family. You, you don't know the kind of family I come from. And so you are. John wants to make it abundantly clear through a double emphasis that because of God's otherworldly extravagant love, we are his children now. And so we are. And this, this part of being, see, seeing helps us witness something that is so divine and perfect and pure in God's love that it starts to change us. But being called God's children pulls at one of the deepest desires of the human heart which is to be known and accepted. Author John Ortberg shared a simple two-by-two two quadrant on this that I wanted to show you. Just look, look at this for a second. 
So to start in the top right, if I am known and I am accepted, well, then I'm loved. But if I am not known, but I'm still accepted in the group, then I look impressive. If I'm not known and I'm not accepted, then I'm a stranger. And if I am known, but I am not accepted, then I'm rejected. And that is one of the most painful things to experience. Orberg says the biblical word for that is actually cursed. It's what it feels like. In fact, most of us will do whatever we can to avoid the pain of rejection, and so many of us will settle for being strangers or seeming impressive because we want to maybe gain acceptance without the risk of rejection. And the reason that I think this is so helpful is because it can expose the fears that we carry in our relationships with others and in our relationship with God. And here's the Apostle John's word on that. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I was thinking about how to help help us understand that spiritual reality. And so if, 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 you're, if you're comfortable, I'd, I'd love to just take you through a quick thought experiment. Would you, would you be willing to just close your eyes for a moment and imagine that you are sitting at a fire pit and there's a fire crackling in front of you. It's a cool night, keeping you warm, you're stoking the flames and, and you go to put some, some extra firewood on top of the fire. And as you do this, you start to hear a sound. And you notice that there's smoke rising up. And you realize that this firewood that you thought was dry actually still has some moisture inside. And this hissing and smoking. And then at the ends of the cords of wood, you can see these bubbles seeping out. And what is happening is that the warmth and heat from the fire naturally is exposing and evaporating and driving out the moisture. The presence of that water, that moisture, can't help but immediately be exposed and driven out by the fire. And open your eyes. You have got to understand, when you see God's love and you draw near to him, the fire, the warmth of his love will, by its very nature, expose and lovingly drive out the fears that have seeped into your heart. Oh, you draw close to God, and the fear that makes you scared to pray will be driven out by his love and mercy. The fear that makes you wonder if he will, he will reject you and send you away will be driven out by the love displayed in Jesus who knew your sin when he died on the cross as the atoning sacrifice. Oh, the, the fear that maybe is actually about others rejecting you will be 
and this can take a long time, driven out little by little, much by much, by knowing that if God loves me and says I'm part of his family, nobody else gets to have veto power on that. My prayer for each one of us and for our church is that among the many things God is calling us to do, and there's a lot, a lot of good kingdom work to be done this year, among the many things God is calling you to do individually, and there's probably many things, both things that you know and expect and things you don't know are coming, but that all that you would do would flow from what you see of God's love and character and care for you and from your identity, your way of being as his son or daughter in the life that he's given you. So as we close today, I just want to ask us to read again the statement and invitation from John. Read these words with me. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Bow with me. Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for showing us the fullness of your love in your self-giving sacrifice. Father, we thank you. Thank you for pouring out your love on us through the body and blood of Jesus, but also through the daily love and communion with your spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask, would you give us daily, all followers of Jesus, a fresh vision of the Father's love so that we can live from that each day this year. I pray that for those who are already followers of Jesus and for those who are not yet, for those who are investigating or curious, may this be the year, may this be the day that they see your extravagant love for them. The lengths that you went through your death, burial, and resurrection, the hope and life that you offer them, may they find faith in Jesus. Pray in his powerful name. Amen.